Okay, uh, I'm live. I don't have a guest. Um, my four o'clock guest didn't show up. Uh, no worries, Pikers. If you're listening to this, we'll do it soon. We'll do it again whenever you have time. And uh, not a problem. I'm just hanging out. Uh, I've been doing a lot of messing around with my audio settings. I think I've got something figured out that sounds okay. It's not overblasting anymore uh, as it sometimes was. I figured out the problem for that. But I thought I'd take this time to sort of talk to uh, my listeners. I know you're not too many, but you know people, you know people that know people, and you might know someone that's pretty interesting because of their worldview, because they're on fire for the Catholic faith or for uh, Christ generally, or for God Almighty because of their monotheism or just uh, they're fanatical about uh, their worldly philosophy. Maybe they're really into Falun Gong or Scientology or whatever it is. Uh, I'm looking for guests. I don't, I don't really want to debate. I've never been a debater, as you know, if you've seen my videos or listened to my old interviews. You know, I'm not really a debater. I like to meet people, meet new people, get them enrolled in perpetual masses, get those graces flowing, and uh, just chat about what interests the guest. Everyone knows what interests me, but I'll sort of reiterate some of my main areas of interest in religion and philosophy, just so that if you are thinking of sending me a guest, uh, maybe you could keep in mind the things that interest me most and they are within the realm of philosophy uh, for atheists it would be you know the obvious question why is one configuration of matter energy better than any other configuration of matter energy in space-time doesn't really make sense if you don't have a philosophical basis for value for uh, freedom for the supernatural. You don't have a philosophical basis for anything other than a hard determinism if you're an atheist. So that's one of my main passions in terms of ideas when talking with atheists. Uh, obviously, in terms of religious people, if you're not a monotheist, I'd like to know why not and explore the pantheism or panentheism or whatever it is that you ascribe to, or the nihilism, whatever it is. Not terribly excited about that, but it's uh, it's always interesting to hear what non-monotheist religious people believe fundamentally. And for the monotheists, obviously, if you're not a Christian, I want to know why. I want to know why you think that the promised Jewish Messiah allegedly hasn't come yet. I mean, it seems to me that the Messiah has come. And it was Jesus, Jesus Christ. So uh, that's the talking point for non-Christian monotheists. And of course, for the Christian who's not a Catholic, the topic at hand, the salient point of discussion will always be authority. By what authority do you know that the canon exists and what, which books belong to the canon? Is that canon a fallible Canon, a fallible list of infallible books, or is it an infallible list of 
infallible and inerrant books. That's the emphasis that I always place on non-Catholic Christians. And then for Catholics, you know, the, the journey you're on, the ups and downs, your experience with the sacraments and prayer, you know what to expect from me and my channel. You know, uh, no matter what you believe, you know, uh, and no matter what my guests believe, you know pretty much where I'm coming from. And uh, if the guest is a liberal, so-called uh, liberal or progressive Catholic, then I'll want to emphasize morality and uh, docile submission to the teachings of the living magisterium. And if you're on the other side, if you're straying from Christ on the right, I want to know, uh, I want to emphasize once again, the docile submission to the living magisterium and all that entails. So, um, but if you're just a faithful Catholic that is striving to be obedient to the living magisterium, I just want to hear about your journey and gush about Jesus Christ and the saints and the church and the Pope and the popes and the councils. And, uh, you know, I place an emphasis on the living magisterium, which means Pope Francis gets a lot of emphasis. And the, the most recent ecumenical council is the Second Vatican Council. So I put a lot of emphasis on that. They are, they shouldn't be, but they are controversial topics for Catholics, many Catholics. Those are the talking points. But there's one other thing I want to bring up uh, in case anyone is thinking about maybe being a guest on one of my live streams, video chats. And that's uh, something that's been on my mind a lot. I haven't delved too deeply into it, but I'm hoping a guest that's well-versed in philosophy can come forward and help me to unpack uh, the modal argument of Blessed John Duns Scotus. I've been chewing on it for a while now. It has taken over um, from Anselm's ontological argument, which is an a priori a priori argument. It's uh, it's taken over that um, in terms of the back burner of my mind. What I think about uh, philosophically, it's it's uh, dominating because it's an a posteriori proof for the existence of God, and it sidesteps a lot of issues having to do with uh, time because it. It's a simultaneous analysis of uh, causality because if a cause, if a if a chain of causality is not strictly speaking simultaneous, then the relation of cause to effect is not an immediate relationship. In other words, the cause is not the immediate cause of the effect, the given effect, and in that chain, we, if we were to examine link by link in that chain of causality, if it's not an, an immediate effect, then it is not uh, it is not immediately caused. It is not strictly speaking. It is not. We're not. We're not talking about causality strictly speaking. So, this is the beauty of Blessed John Duns Scotus's approach to the proof of the existence of God as first efficient cause. And I I know that there must be some good objections to it. I, I'm curious to know if anyone's versed in in uh, in philosophy and especially in scholastic philosophy. Maybe you know of a scholar that talks about Scotus's modal argument. Maybe you know a scholar that, uh, that specializes in proofs for the existence of God, which are uh, 
a posteriori proof. This is the only a posteriori proof that I know of. There may be others. I haven't heard about them, but I haven't done a real search for a posteriori proofs. I, in my discussion with atheists, I always go to a posteriori, any posteriori sort of intuitive approach, which is outlined in various passages of the Bible, where it says that we know about the invisible creator by the visible creation, the created things. So this is an a posteriori approach, loosely speaking, because we're looking at the effects and then we uh, infer a first cause. So this is sort of a, this is not a rigorous argument that's presented in the Bible, but the there is a dogma of the church that says that we can know with certainty by the light of natural reason without recourse to faith. We don't need faith-based beliefs. We don't need re special revelation. We don't need public revelation. We don't need private revelation. We have everything that we need in order to come to this certain knowledge that God exists. So the modal argument of blessed John Duns Scotus is something I'm very interested in picking apart, but it's more fun to do it with uh, someone that is resistant to the idea because I'm very, I'm very happy to accept his argument. I'm very predisposed to accepting all of his conclusions and that there are no logical leaps or fallacies involved in his proof. And I want to tighten up my understanding of his proof. And it, I think I might know where the, le the, we the, weak the weakness lies or the perceived weakness lies in the argument, uh, the proof of SCOTUS. I think I know, I'm not going to give it away here, but uh, it would be interesting to see if I, if I could find some guests whether they're atheists or or not, uh, a guest who is interested in unpacking and dissecting, maybe challenging uh, the proof, the proof as it is, the proof as it's understood by my guest, the proof as it's understood by me, and it would only help me to grow in my understanding of this uh, very, very subtle proof. And he's called the subtle doctor, uh, Scotus, because of his, his very intricate and delicate thought and the argument is it makes a few twists and turns uh, in terms of lateral thinking that uh, that really appealed to me and his writing style is not very um i don't find it um, it's uh, it's a bit of work involved it's a little bit of work involved reading his his writings mainly because they were sort of thrown together from notes and uh, bits and pieces and scraps were put together. It wasn't. It wasn't really like a complete, finished, composed work that we have in terms of the modal argument. So for that reason, uh, it tends to be a little bit broken up, and the flow isn't quite there. But even if it were, I think his uh, thought is so subtle that it would be difficult to follow his his style. I'm just getting. Uh, a message now from Pi Chris, my four o'clock guest. He says, today is not good for me. I'm really busy. So that's good to hear. Pi Chris, glad you're keeping busy. I hope everything's okay. And uh, we'll do the interview soon. Don't worry about it. Tomorrow, I do have a, an exciting guest. Uh, I've had him on before. If you know me, you know that I am on fire for creationism from the traditional Catholic perspective, creationism versus 
over against any theories of evolution, including theistic evolution, of course. And uh, Hugh Owen from the Colby Center has agreed to come back. He's been my guest once before. This time, he's agreed to talk to me about geocentrism. I'm not really excited about geocentrism, but I know that he um, he's sympathetic to it. I don't know exactly what he believes. I want to hear what he has to say about geocentrism. I would prefer to be a geocentrist. Um, and I have no problem putting the earth at the center of God's creation. I think that the Eucharist is the heart and the center of God's creation, and that man is the center of God's creation. Uh, first, uh, of course, the primary instance of man being Jesus Christ himself. Uh, so we are at the center in many ways. Are we at the geographical uh, center, the the uh, spatial center of the universe? Doesn't really matter to me. But I'm interested to hear what Hugh Owen has to say about this. I've been chatting with a couple of people about geocentrism recently, and uh, I'm really not ready to embrace a non-rotating Earth. That would just involve too many inordinate forces on those heavenly bodies, which are very, very distant, allegedly, or ostensibly very, very distant from Earth. And if they're rotating around the stationary Earth, uh, the forces are, for all intents and purposes, infinite. And uh, I'm not sure what sort of substance they would be made of to withstand those, those accelerations and those forces. But so that seems ridiculous to me, um, a stationary earth not rotating. If it's at the center and it's rotating, that would, that would make a little bit more sense. But anyway, I'm exploring this, not because I'm passionate about geocentrism, just because I had a few people reach out to me and talk to me about it. And uh, because people know that I believe in creationism, I think the earth and the entire universe is less than, let's say a dozen thousand years, less than 12,000 years old, something like that. Um, so a lot of people have come forward, a few people have come forward talking to me about geocentrism. So that's tomorrow night. Uh, we're going to probably chat around 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, so I look forward to that. And uh, thanks for listening. If you know anyone that would be an interesting guest for me, please send them my way. I'm always looking for guests. Not to debate, but if they if they are a passionate person with a lot to say about the church for or against uh you know I'm, I'm here to listen i'm here to put in my two cents worth and uh, i might have a few things to uh to say if they attack you know i'm very comfortable defending the church and uh, christ and uh, the vicar of christ so uh or if it's just someone that that's very passionate about their philosophical or religious uh inclinations and they just want to share that i'm here to listen and share that with uh, with you the listeners so thanks for being there for me and we'll talk very soon take care and god bless